stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. What do they make? A terrific Lupin story. It's currently visiting hours, so drop by with bail money as we jailbirds discuss one chance for a prison break on sideburns and cigarettes. Hello and welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. It's me, Drew, here with a uh, a small a small little message before the show, just a reminder that this is a part of what was going to be episode three originally back in March. Now we're splitting it into three separate episodes. Three separate episodes. So in this episode, we are covering. Episode 4, which is One Chance for a Prison Break, uh, directed by Masaki Osumi. Man, it's hard to believe we talked about this episode way back in March, eight months ago, when we were still in the middle of a global pandemic. But uh, while we may have had an eight-month gap between uh, our last episode and our most recent, we are going to more than make up for that. As a matter of fact, we've already started recording new episodes. Um, uh, actually, we st- are recording our newest episodes on Zencaster, so the show is about to sound a whole lot better. Because we have a ton of fun stuff for the show coming up. We've got new installments in the A Few Cyburns More mini-sode thing. Not quite mini some of them could be pretty long, but that bridge when we get there. Uh, we've also got uh, some also some surprise announcements we're going to hold off until our next episode, so stay tuned for that. And, uh, and without further ado, on with the show. So then we're moving on to episode four, which is, um, uh, I should have wrote down the title. I didn't. It's called, uh, <laughs> it's called One Chance to Break Out or One Chance for a Prison Break. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so first thing I noticed, brand new opening. Yes, brand new opening and um, showcasing a little bit of the pilot film, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, showcasing it, but actually, like it uses a, an extensive amount of pilot film footage, and unlike like the first Green Jacket opening, it's not like edited to like look like Green Jacket. It's literally just a pilot film, yeah, yeah. reused. Also, there's also kind of a spoiler in it, in that it not only introduces Goemon in the opening one episode before he actually appears in the series, yeah, mm-hmm. but they also kind of imply that he joins the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which won't happen which won't happen for another three episodes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like you couldn't just wait one more episode to do this. Nope. No. Maybe like OG fans who read the manga and you know like 
I'm putting myself in the perception of a Japanese fan in the early 70s watching this, seeing the opening and is like, yeah, when is Goemon going to get in? Because I remember from the manga, um, he shows up. I don't know when, but he shows up. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get to all that in the, uh, in the discussion of episode five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I love uh, Lupin's narration throughout the whole thing, too. He's so, he's so yeah. smug. He is. Which, uh, something interesting about this intro, though, is that in, I think, the late 90s, there was a game for, pretty sure it was either PlayStation or maybe Sega Saturn, but it actually uh, recreated the opening of this with brand new visuals. Oh. Yeah. I think I recall that, seeing at least a video of it. Right, yeah, I I think I may have shown it to you. But, yeah, it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really cool to see. And, of course, this opening also gets recreated in uh, uh, Lupin III versus Detective Conan. Yes, the movie. of course. You know, with a few extra gags, which I thought were pretty good. Going on cutting the entire moon in half. Yeah. <laughs> Again, up a sign saying, don't call me Papa. <laughs> I love that. Well, I will always love that from the Detective Conan specials. <laughs> so, as for the episode itself, the first part is based on chapter 12 of the manga, which was titled in English as Damned If You Do. Huh. Oh, that's a good title. That's a really good title. Yeah, well, well I mean, it is because in in the manga, Lupin is robbing a dam. Huh. So, like you know, an actual dam? Yes. Oh, because, wow. Because the treasure chest that he's going after was hidden there by Arsene Lupin. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. That's yeah, a cool yeah, shout out. Yeah, there's, there's a bit in the manga where uh, Lupin tells Jigen, patience is the key. Actually, this is the key. It's been in my family for generations. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, most of the uh, manga chapter is, I guess, reconnaissance on the job. And Jigen getting frustrated because Lupin's in bed with the girl of the week the entire time. And Jigen yeah. feels like he's unfocused. So, <laughs> but, yeah, pretty much everything uh, in the opening act of this episode from... You know, Lupin putting the shoe polish on his face up until being shot down. No, you're wrong. It's shoe cream. <laughs> oh, that I'm sorry. Specifically. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, everything from applying the shoe cream to uh, being shot down and the female character, she's not in the manga, but in the episode of Fujiko, you know, she escapes with, she takes it by helicopter. Uh, but there are some differences, though, like, Lupin is shot down with bullets, with that tranquilizer darts, and he manages to escape, though. Tells Jigen he was wearing a bulletproof vest, but when they make it back to the hideout, they learn that the girl Lupin was betting had actually made off with the loot. And there's a, uh, there's a great moment in the English version where Lupin's like, oh, she fucked us. Jigen's like, oh, she fucked you. She screwed us. <laughs> and there's also that throwaway line in the anime episode about Lupin laying the guard's nap for a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I have that in my notes. I'm like, I won't kill you. Just nap for a bit. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna hang you by your neck by what what, what seems to be like wire. <laughs> Indefinitely, at that. Right, you just nap for a bit. You'll be fine. Yeah, because that's how it works. You know, gravity's not a thing apparently. Nah. <laughs> Nor strangulation. Can I can I also say, um, what I really like about the opening scene to uh, this episode is the. The, the lack of music aside from like drums during like the heist yeah. part of the scene. Yeah. And I, I thought it was like really clever, really, really cinematic feeling. 
during that scene. Mm-hmm. I also like the use of shadows in that scene too. It looks so oh, yeah. dark. Yeah, they were, they were trying to trying to give off the uh, feeling of being in darkness, mm-hmm. wearing all dark. Right. And I love it. I also love the bit, the, the and, little know. touch of Lupin crawling on the uh, wire, and there's water on it that yeah. one guard's attention. Yeah. Such a neat little touch. I also really like the bit when uh, Denigata makes the parents stand in front of that big spotlight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which, Another good and, use of lighting. Right. Which in the manga version, when he was there, he was in bandages and on crutches because Lupin er- earlier had kicked a uh, crate of explosives at him. Oh, nice. But, you know, that part didn't make it into the anime. Probably for a good reason. Yeah. yeah. Man, when Zinigata shows up, it like immediately seems like he and his men just shoot up Lupin. Oh, yeah. A little throwaway line of, yeah, it's just tranquilizers. He's oh, yeah, like, hey. all those. Basically, he took him down like he was an elephant in Africa or something like that, you know? I mean, with all those well, tranquilizers, per- I'm surprised he's not dead. Right. <laughs> well, personally, I feel like that's uh, completely irrelevant. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> my apologies. Irrelevant. To- <laughs> my, my apologies to the Marx Brothers. Of course, uh, Jigen and Fujiko show up in uh, Steal the Chest, just leaving Lupin there to be caught. Was this their first time, quote-unquote, working together? Um, I guess it, I guess you could possibly see it that way. Well, I don't know. There was, uh, you know, the first episode. This is true. Where... that, and then, like, oh, the yeah, yeah. Is, like, Jigen and Lupin act in um, Farewell, Beloved Witch, that they definitely have been around each other long enough to know how to work together as yeah. a team so i still think it's really early in their career though. right mm-hmm. oh yeah but of course um, uh, the guards come to arrest lupon and lupon there's a really specific shot of uh, his walther being left behind Mm-hmm. which but, is kind of foreshadowing for the ending scene it does and of course we get the uh we get our title card and we got zindigata in the police van driving lupon to the prison in the rain and he's just, mm-hmm. feels really mean-spirited in this one scene. He's just, like, mercilessly taunting Lupin. Well, oh, yeah. The way Goro Naya makes Denigata sound so excited as he's talking about Lupin's arrest. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I love that. It's oh, like, yeah. Me too. It's like, you know, you just hear the excitement in his voice. Yep. And then it just sort of, this sort of drops when he sees Lupin's face change. Yep. Oh, yeah. Although, the rest of this episode is based on the second chapter of the manga. <laughs> The second Lupin third story ever, which was called The Great Escape. And Fujiko and Jigen were not in the manga version, because neither one of them existed yet. <laughs> yeah, Fujiko wouldn't show up until the following week. And Jigen first showed up a few weeks after that in the Paikal story. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Fujiko and Jigen weren't in the manga version, but I really liked their inclusion in the anime. Mm-hmm. Like, I, because, like, honestly, the, the story is, you know, really faithful to Monkey Punch's original version, but I feel like with uh, with Fujiko and Jigen being added, I think it does you know, add uh, a bit more depth to it, I suppose. Well, especially considering Fujiko uh, trying to rescue him uh, oh my God, over and yes. over again, yep. using various methods, and it, all, all to get foiled by Jigen, saying yep. he, he'll escape when he's damn well ready. Ah, <laughs> yep. But that persistence on Fujiko's part whether it's romantic or or just her wanting her rival back, whatever. It's just or greed or whatever. Yeah, it's just it's one of the many like things to love about that pairing, you know, like mm-hmm. 
the dynamic of their relationship mm-hmm. and oh yeah um i think this this is i think this is the reason why i enjoy this episode this is fujiko trying over and over again to to release him to help him escape and jigen just like foils it like no 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 leave him leave him alone leave him alone he could do it himself mm-hmm. and she's just like no i want i want to do this <laughs> especially because her methods of trying to break in are getting more and more elaborate yeah right <laughs> especially at the point where uh, jigen like uses a crane to pull yeah. her out of the ground mm-hmm. by, her, by her belt yep and then out. of course huh oh no go ahead go ahead no, you first. I was just going to say, in, my, in this episode, the MVPs, at least for me, were really Fujiko and Zenigata. Because you get a oh, lot yeah. of good character work in this episode with them. Especially with oh, Zenigata, because he seems so excited to have Lupine captured. He's really giddy about it. But then from, like, minute one, you can, like, see him just... There's, like, just this one shot of him, like, sitting in his office. You just kind of see him sink when he's yep. realized that, like, he, he can't chase him anymore. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good. It's probably one of my... Uh, th- th- no, the hands down, this is one of my favorite episodes for a lot of reasons. Uh, the characters are really well well done in this one in particular. Mm-hmm. And you get you get to see Fujiko's persistence. You get to see Jigen's uh, confidence in Lupin. You get to see mm-hmm. Zenigata uh, just... You can see his love and hate for the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, see it's a just... very different Zenigata in this. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, which I think kind of uh, informed the portrayal of the character in the anime from then on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And also, I feel like we also see, like, more of Lupin's ego come into play here. Oh, God, yes. With how he makes a point of wanting to humiliate Zenigata for mm-hmm. capturing him in the way he did. Mm-hmm. Also, the bit with, uh... I thought like we were kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, so, uh, the bit with, uh... Yeah, Lupin actually being taken into the prison. Bit where Zenigata literally kicks him into the cell. Oh yeah. In the manga, that was that was funny. It was like a funny little slapstick moment. Mm-hmm. It just seems cruel in the anime. Yeah, they strip him down and then they put him in uh, what looks like a potato sack version of a straitjacket right. and <laughs> throws him in this in this cage basically. You know. Yep. In my, in my notes, him. I called it a, 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 a potato sack turtleneck. <laughs> Good band name. Because <laughs> it would also, be a potato sack, except for like the one little collar around his neck just makes it a potato sack turtleneck. Uh-huh. I have a At figure first I thought of it that. was a straight jacket. <laughs> Actually, make that two figures. I have two figures of that. I got one of the ones that are articulate, where you can move him, pose him, and then I got one of the uh, little itty-bitty ones of him when he's... Well, when we get to that part, I'll explain more. <laughs> also, uh, speaking of uh, Zenigata and Lupin going into prison, I love their back and forth. Because um, uh, before they get there, like, Lupin, like, makes Zenigata think they're going the wrong way. And Zenigata mm-hmm. starts yeah. to freak out. And I love it just cuts to them walking into prison and Zenigata being like, you know why we didn't take that road, right? It's like, it's because the landslides, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> which, which is exactly how it happened in the manga, too. <laughs> This is a really fun little back and forth between them. There's also a bit in the manga when uh, Lupin and Zenigar are having this conversation. Zenigar looks down and notices that one of Lupin's... Like, Lupin managed to slip out one of his hands from his cuffs while they're just sitting there talking. just like, son of a bitch, who let him out of this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just... An uh, officer walks up and is like, all right, tough guy, see you try to get out of these. He slams the cuffs down, but somehow he manages to cuff himself. <laughs> and Lupin just walks off with Zenigar smiling. 
right, well, I just wanted to point out, you know, talking constantly about um, the different shift in tonality of Zenigata in this. I mean, I remember watch- when I first watched this, you know, have, you know, a big fangirl of part two and so used to the, I want to say the Tom and Jerry dynamic that is uh, Zenigata and Lupin, but also to the point where, you know, Zenigata refuses to kill him, refuses to be too rough with him. You know, it's very much like, okay, Lupin's wanted dead or alive, forget it. Um, I'm bringing him in alive because I have profound respect for him. And this episode, it's just a complete 180, even though this is prior to all that. But it's just, holy Lord, just Zenigata imagining Lupin dying mm. and his execution. And I'm just like, what am, as a 14-year-old, I'm like, what am I watching? <laughs> also, also, a bit where Lupin is, cry- is sobbing in Zenigata's imagination. Yes! Like, like, like the, way, the way Yamada delivers that, it's pitiful. But hilariously mm-hmm. so, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Just because of how overdramatic the whole sequence is. You know, I sent Lupin a third, death! 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 His methods of execution. Yes! It's just so over over the top that you can't help but laugh. Whereas, like, Zedigata after doesn't imagine trying to kill Lupin. He's just trying to imagine various different methods of capturing him, various different methods of keeping him in prison. Right. You know, it is mentioned uh, a little later in the episode by Jigen that uh, capt- capturing Lupin is in a guy that's kind of whole reason to live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of implied that, you know, you know, Pops lives for the chase just as much as Lupin does. Mm-hmm. But is it really made official until, I want to say, maybe, not even in this episode, further down in part one, maybe? Oh, no, I mean, like, the, you know, like, Jigen actually literally says that, that if Lupin's executed, then guy loses his, you know, reason for living. There's also the bit where, uh, it's a little later, but then guy starts talking about, you know, how, uh, awesome Lupin is, like, how intelligent, how crafty he is, while also simultaneously having his ass set on fire. <laughs> so, so, you know, like, I, you know, like, something I was really appreciate of this episode, like, it is dark, but there are moments of you know, of humor in there that, that I, I do think like relieved attention. Mm-hmm. You know, like the thing with the uh, Buddhist priest. Did I was waiting for this to get brought yeah. up. <laughs> so I absolutely love that whole whole thing of him coming back each time with a bigger and better and more expensive vehicle <laughs> of transportation. Because <laughs> doesn't it like start with the bicycle? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. What I thought. A scooter, <laughs> right? And then it basically ends with, like, a Pope-mobile. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, a convertible, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, the Fujiko's outfits in this episode are great. Mm-hmm. They're really fashionable. Although, I'm surprised, Chris, you didn't mention the, the, the part about the manga with the priest in the in the chapter. Oh, boy, here we uh, go. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that, that's actually a little later down in my notes. I was oh. going to get that. Oh, yeah, one but, uh, thing I'm, uh, we should... Uh, should also mention is when Lupin gets stolen in prison, he immediately starts screaming that he's not Lupin. He's the officer oh, who's... Yes! He, he's an officer who was threatened by Lupin to take his place. And he keeps right. screaming this for, for an entire year. year. Mm-hmm. He, he, even, he even yells that he's uh, just not Lupin, or he's he at one point yells that he's, that he's Zenigata. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ca- um, yeah, he does. The way that Yasuo, like, 
kind of changes his voice just ever so slightly. So even the audience, mm-hmm. just for a second, it's just like, is it? Because, I mean, when you're watching it, half the time you don't know who's Lup- who Lupin's trying to, like, disguise himself as anyway. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that right. much of a leap in logic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, yeah, he does deliver, like, more of, like, a shout. Like, a desperate shout. And not, like, like the usual goofy voice he does. Right. It's almost a high-pitched yell. Yep. I also love how uh, time is presented in this special. There's no, like, time cards. You just get glimpses that indicate what season it is. Like, like he sees in the garden in his office sweating. And there's a fan there showing yeah. it's summer. Um, uh, there's one where... What was the winter one? Oh, they're standing by the fire, like uh, Chris mentioned, when he sets his butt on fire. Right. <laughs> there's a butterfly for spring. It's such a really Which... subtle way to show time passing. Um, there's such a, there's a lot of butterfly, um, there's a huge butterfly theme in both this episode and even in the next episode, but more subtle, mm-hmm. um, which I find very beautiful, actually, um, especially when you consider what butterflies are, what the symbolism of butterflies is in the Japanese culture. Ooh. And, uh, go right ahead, I have to relook at my notes and remember that said symbolism. Well, I, it's in my notes. <laughs> what do you got? I wrote that uh, butterflies have multiple meanings in Japan, particularly with transformation and metamorphosis. Yes. They also often symbolize death and rebirth. And good luck, and, good health, and prosperity. And with the whole death and rebirth thing, I wrote in parentheses, it's like in Super Mario Galaxy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm serious. It's like, well, I'll think about some other time. But <laughs> it's, 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 very, it's very fitting there. I'll say that much. But they're yeah. also said to be the soul of the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. And then I've also written out here, or it could just be a cool, artsy-looking shop with no intended symbolism. But it's, I don't know. I, I, I do think there was supposed to be a deeper meaning there. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this episode, it's even shown on Fujiko's dress, if we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, at the um, in the ending scene. Um, oh, wow, and, you're right. Yeah. And I'm just going to be a huge dork once we get to that in terms of talking about fashion sense in the 70s, because... I really want Fujiko's dress. You can always have it commissioned by someone. That is true. But I do have to wonder, though, if uh, maybe like the butterfly itself is Lupin and, you know, the cocoon is the prison or something. And I'm not, it I'm could not, be. I'm not good with symbolism with other devices. Help me out here, somebody, please. Or not. Okay. <laughs> no, I was, dot, like, dot, I, dot. I was trying to figure this out myself. I mean, I got it a little bit more... Um, I got a better explanation for the symbolism for the Goemon episode. Um, but we'll get to that in the next episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I guess now probably we get time to talk about the priest. Yep. Yes. Uh, because so, that's, on, that's on everybody's mind right now. So, uh, yeah, in the manga, the priest only shows up for, uh, uh, for one shot, which is, or one scene, which is uh, in the anime, it's when uh, Jigen switches places with him. But yeah, in, yeah. In the manga, the uh, the priest comes in to uh, you know, talk to Lupin and ask him if he's contemplated the nature of a soul. God. And at least in the uh, at least in the English version, Lupin says, "Well, I'm contemplating masturbating with my toes." <laughs> well, you, well, actually, you forgot the part of I've contemplated hanging Zenigata by his privates. That too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I feel like that part's more relevant for what's coming up in that. Uh, and like, there's a there's a weird sequence where the priest brings in a a beautiful woman in a police officer's uniform. Like, this is you know the most beautiful officer we have on the force, 
and uh, it was like, you know, we knew it would be your last request, or have your way with her, my son. So there's this, there's a sex scene there. Then eventually the woman fades away, and Lupin's back in a straight jacket. And the priest says, although your mind is in shackles, or although your body is in shackles, your mind is free. Imagine women. Yes. <laughs> and walks away. He's like, that is the nature of the soul. Lupin's like, that's the nature of, of soul music. You old coot. <laughs> <You old coup. laughs> I thought it was really cool, though, how, how they took, like, a, you know, a one-note, you know, character like that and actually used them to, uh, I guess, like, kind of, like, kind of show up more of Lupin and Jigen's, uh, you know, friendship and partnership. And... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really fun moment, because the, 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 the priest is coming for another day, and Jigen just gets this big smile on his face. You know he's up to something. <laughs> and, uh, the priest visits Lupin and Lupin screams that he's sick of the priest's face and that he doesn't want to see that octopus priest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> curious about the translation of that yeah because I don't, I don't think my you know my early 2000s bootleg used that phrase I mean we already know he does like octopus maybe he just doesn't like priests like in the same regard oh it could be like he's comparing the priest to the to uh, cephalopods. Right. Mm-hmm. I think about that. Particularly octopus, since obviously we know that Lupin doesn't quite like them. But, uh, the, so it turns out the priest is really Jigen coming in on Lupin's last day. Just It's, it's actually a really great scene where he comes and just even offers him his magnum. Just mm-hmm. kind of a last-ditch effort, and Lupin just wants to be left alone. Well, it's because he was worried about him. Like, yep, it's the, really This sweet. whole time he kind of, like wanted Fujiko to leave him alone, but when it neared the last day, he kind of realized, oh no, did he actually give up? I need to I need to set my game up and help him. Which, I like how we actually see this on Jigen's face. Like, after he stops Fujiko from breaking in again, and, like, she leaves, and, like, we actually see Jigen's expression change to one of worry. Mm-hmm. After having that, you know, usual cat smile on. And then, like, he drops it, and then he smiles again when he sees the priest go by and gets an idea. Yep. But, despite his plea, Lupin just wants to be left alone. And there's, uh, 20 minutes left to his, uh, until his execution, and all he asks for is one last cigarette from, uh, from Jigen. Can we talk about the second hand on Zenigata's watch? Yes. Like, that, that stuff's moving, like, triple speed. <laughs> Zenigata just, like, <laughs> winded it a bit faster just to get there. <laughs> Just get over with. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. just not I have while watching it. <laughs> then you get to my favorite part of the episode where Lupin's plan just goes fully in motion. Oh, oh yeah, in the very in the most cartoony, disgusting, unrealistic <laughs> way. Yep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Drew. So, so Lupin's uh, potato sack turtleneck uh, mysteriously cuts away <laughs> with a very grotesque cutting sound. Yeah. <laughs> you realize it's because he has not trimmed his uh, his uh, index fingernail and um, has also sharpened it like a razor. I mean, my question is, with what during that whole time? Yeah. <laughs> now, I would say like the manga actually had to, manga actually explained this because. As Lupin's cutting himself free, he mentions that Zenigata's, you know, strip search, as we saw earlier, missed one detail, and that's the razor Lupin kept hidden underneath his fingernail. Right. Ooh. What? Ow. And, yeah. Which, but, it's, I mean, it makes more sense, though, than just growing one particular <laughs> cuticle out. True. 
like, yeah, I, I, I thought something I, very amusing about he just grew his nail out so hard. It's just a razor. He's more clever than a lot of people I've known who went to prison in terms of making a shame. But <laughs> I mean, it could it could have been a little bit more realistic, and maybe he fashioned fashioned a razor out of his toothbrush, but. <laughs> His, his freaking fingernail like oh god that is so gross yeah it was uh it was something uh when i first saw this episode i i had to do a double take i'm like wait what <laughs> excuse me <laughs> I, this nail that has become a razor this nail that has become a razor not the oh. nail i mean what <laughs> especially I mean, once he starts him uh just sawing away at his face Right, he just shaving off all his beard with his nail. Like I hate that sound it makes. My God, I wonder if he ever went to barber school. (laughs) I mean, I mean, pulling off the Cardi B look in prison. (laughs) I mean, you know, I was going to say, I mean, have you seen his hair? Clearly, he knows a thing or two about, you know, hairstyling. But like that, I I still think the whole razor blade underneath the fingernail thing. (laughs) Makes a lot more sense. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, especially, especially when he starts shaving near <laughs> his face. Because the only fascinating thing I could ever do with my naturally grown fingernails is, is basically makeshift them like, like um, what do you call it? Those um, like tweezers and get things out of little crevices. <laughs> I've never been able to shave my face with them. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've tried. No. <laughs> <laughs> Of that Zinni shows up, and Lupin's already started like shaving one side of his face, so he only addresses Zinigata from like his left side. Face, yeah. And then he requests a shaving kit, which he has not asked for for the entire year, which is uh, a bit interesting because the uh, the guard comes in to deliver it to him, and then Lupin <laughs> Lupin sneaks up behind him and sticks his finger to his neck, threatening to slice <laughs> his throat. Unfortunately, the guard's not realized his day's about to get a lot worse. Yeah. 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 Which, now, in the manga, though, instead of putting the uh, finger up to his throat, which I thought was a cool visual, Lupin says sneaks up behind the guy. I'm guessing this arms him without him noticing because he points a gun at his back. And in the English version, the guard's like, how'd you do it? Lupin's like, oh, come on. Only a sucker tells you how he did it. I don't know what yes. I was like. Oh, then you get to one of my favorite tropes with Zenigata. Someone in the prison just shouts that Lupin has escaped. And he gets so thrilled that he jumps out of his chair and runs down the hallway. He's excited. He's been waiting for this moment. His face lights up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like the 4th of July. (laughs) And I also love how he runs into the prison cell, sees a fully bearded Lupin in in, in the... in the prison, and he that smile just just goes away very quickly. <laughs> but then, oh boy, the Lupin allegedly just starts screaming that he's not Lupin. He begs to be checked again, and he's mm-hmm. dragged out of the prison <laughs> to go be sent to the electric chair. Oh yes, Which, uh, a very moment, uh, Im- important detail too: electric mm-hmm. chair. Mm-hmm. The whole because. We use the electric chair, not um, what was the other one? Um, the gas, gas chamber. chamber. Oh, the gas chamber. Very seventies for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, 
you know, and it's like, you know, Lupin now disguises the officer, watching the officer disguises him be dragged away, mentions to Pops that he's probably excited to see Lupin finally going, you know, to the uh, gas chamber. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that Lupin knew that they didn't have the gas chambers there. Mm-hmm. I, feel like he probably, I feel like he probably did that, you know, just to, you know, stop the execution. Yep. Yep. You know, because, you know, it, it goes twofold. On one hand, you know, an innocent man not going to be killed because of him. And secondly, it gets the, it gets the big guy out of the way so he can leave. Right. And I also love that beat with him. Uh, when Zinagata figures out that it's Lupin, he's just so, like, happy that, A, he figured it out. <laughs> A, he's also impressed that he did it. And he's also just completely forgetting the guard being carried away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lupin has to point it out to him, like, so if this is me, who's the guy being sent to the chair? <laughs> Zinagata's <laughs> face. And of course, as utter shock. And of course, as Lupin leaves, we get Nice Guy Lupin playing again. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, which, is, which is really timed well with you know, with all the shots of Lupin leaving, waving goodbye to the guards. Yep. Like how he salutes the last guard. Yes. <laughs> uh, then we get poor Fujiko, who has not been on any of this. And she's just been trying to repeatedly break into the prison just to help get him out. Mm-hmm. And you get this, actually and... this really beautiful shot of her, like, on a cliff. Yeah, with that beautiful dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll keep talking the about it again. Want. Oh, it's just very 70s. Um, it is. I, I, could, I could sit here and talk talk for hours about the influence of um, fashion in the 70s, but I don't think I will. <laughs> also, can you imagine how pissed Fujiko was when she found out that Lupin had escaped? Oh, very. Oh, no. oh, oh man. I kind of wish we could have seen that. I that would have been hilarious. <laughs> vindictive, vindictive Fujiko, which we see a lot throughout the series, oh, yeah. throughout, the, throughout the fandom. But in that yeah. moment, that would have been great. I'll turn people say that, you know, maybe there's some Freudian symbolism there with the way she's stroking Lupin's Walter, but uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it was intentional anyway. <laughs> I mean, we could we could make so many um, so many phallic jokes with that, but we won't. Right. It's just like the guy who animated that scene go home, like goes home to watch it air and then he realizes. He's like, oh, this is a very beautiful scene. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't even cross my... Oh. Oh, no. He was kind of shrugged. Oh, well. Covers his children's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> For our younger audiences out there, cover your ears. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I've... We've already used the phrase masturbating with my toes. So I feel like <laughs> the kids, the kids have come and shooed out of the room as it is at this point already. Yeah. Oh, this then... podcast is not approved for general audiences. No. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> and then you get, I, I love the ending of this episode so much. Me too. Yes. So Lupin and Jigen drive to uh, find the chest, which Jigen hid in a forest. As you do. They get there, and Jigen's just like, I could have sworn there was a forest here. <laughs> She's like, there was a forest here a year ago. <laughs> a lot happens in a year. Indeed. It's true. I mean, we're just figuring this out right now. <laughs> yeah. But, I that's uh, me here. I'm, I think I'm about to take away what you're going to tell you. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, when you hear the announcement saying we're about to begin blasting, please clear yep. the area. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, turns out the forest is being a uh, level by dynamite. Mm, yep. 
More fire! More fire! <laughs> the, uh, the, ow, the theme ow, of arson ow. continues. Arson <laughs> looks fine. Arson! But I'm fish. So, we just go to the show. Just go to the show. Crime does not pay. In this episode, anyway. Mm. <laughs> they up... No, they were... crime may not pay, but the Cardi B nail style will. It will free you from prison. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, useful, useful, useful about train by, I think. But, yeah, crime does not pay, and we do get this nice moment where Lupin and Jean, instead of you know, reacting negatively to it, they just laugh at the whole situation. Yep. Just goes to show the real treasure was friendship. Mm-hmm. They share a cigarette, they laugh, and they run off in the sunset. This is a, an adorable shot, by the way. Oh, <laughs> which, it is. Which I, I love when, uh, like earlier when, uh, you know, Jean at the Octopus Priest gives Lupin the cigarette, or like when he's in disguise at all, he keeps referring to things as being uh, the Buddha's will. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Lupin gives Jigen his cigarette, he lights it saying, this is the Buddha's will. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what causes him to both start laughing. Yeah. It's such a good ending to this episode. It's <laughs> very cute. See, yeah, this is probably my favorite episode of part one. Uh, same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like second like episode for me. It's so good. Because like out of the ones we watched so far, two was really good, but this this one's just great. Oh right. yeah, all yeah. sorts of character depth in it. Like honestly, I feel like this is where the show you know starts to hit its stride. Yes. Yeah. Also, um, I feel like pointing out that uh, any of you guys ever read any of the original Arsene Lupin stories? Not yet. Okay. I have. Okay, so uh, have you read uh, Arsene Lupin in Prison? Yes, I have, and. Um, Actually, thank you so much for reminding me of, you know, the original, the OG Arsene Lupin, because, right, because I this some, is, yeah. I was saying, like, I, I know there's some parallels. There yeah. is, there's actually a lot of parallels. Um, it's very, I don't know if, like, this was intentional, or this was a well, shout-out, or... I feel like it is intentional, because if you read the manga, a lot of the, you know, early stories, I think, like, probably before the Paikal chapter... Chapter seven, I think, mm-hmm. where the sto- where the series really, I think, finds its own identity. A lot of those early chapters are kind of modern day parodies of Arsene Lupin stories. Yeah, or at least um, they're at least the Lupin the Third franchise's take on right. on those stories. I mean, it, you see more as the as the as the series progresses, especially with you know. Castle Cagliostro and a couple of part two oh, episodes yeah. and definitely part five, um, except with the, in, with the inclusion of technology, but yeah, this episode is basically, um, Arsene Lupin in prison, except, um, right. where it, um, you know, there's Arsene Lupin and then there's Lupin the third and then their parallels is, um, Inspector, uh, I can never pronounce his name, uh, Ganamard, I believe. Um, Ganamond? Yeah, Ganamond. And then, you know, Zenigata to, to Lupin the Third. Right, which I think it's interesting how friendly Lupin and Ganamard are compared to Lupin the Third and Zenigata. Well, <laughs> Lupin and Zenigata are on a different, are on a different level, I feel. Right, but I mean, just like, you know, you know, Grandpa Arsene and you know, Inspector Gaminart, though, they're, you know, like, they talk because you're like old friends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like their relationship isn't quite as adversarial as Lupin's grandson and Inspector Zenigata. Mm-hmm. Although I do think that, 
know, in the anime, Lupin and Dene God do get along better than they do in the manga. And I feel like that was probably inspired by Arsene Lupin's, uh, you know, friendly rivalry with uh, Spectre Ganimard. And although I do think that the Part 4 Prison Break episode has more similarities to uh, Arsene Lupin in prison, especially in uh, the way Lupin breaks out. But, but uh, yeah, like, I do know some parallels. And especially because, like, it's, it was like the second Arsene Lupin story, right? Because, like, the first one is the one with the uh, cruise ship. The first, well, the first story of Arsene Lupin is, um, it's called The Arrest of Arsene Lupin. Right. And it's basically him under a pseudonym, which actually the pseudonym last name was, um, oh my goodness, um, it's what Albert's last name is. Um, Andressi? Yeah, De Andressi, yes. And under that pseudonym, he goes on the ship, and then the ship's captain announces, oh, we've gotten a warning from Arsene Lupin. He could be on this very ship. Oh, no. And then, you know, the story progresses, and then everybody realizes, oh, De Andressi must be Lupin, and then that's when he gets captured. And then the next storyline is his time in prison. Right, hmm. which I think is interesting because, you know, in the very first uh, story, you know, Lupin's in disguise the entire yes. time. Like, we don't actually find out which of the characters in this big mystery. It's him until the very until end. Until the end, where yes. He's which is the exact same thing that happened in the first chapter of the manga. Oh, wow. Because for most, for most of the original chapter, the very first chapter of the original manga series, we're following this uh, blonde guy who's a, who's a womanizer, and, you know, he's a thief trying to get after his microfilm. And then we find out at the very end, though, that this is not Lupin the Third. Mm-hmm. The black-haired guy with the like the yuppie-looking guy with the pigeon and the sideburns and the glasses—that is Lupin the Third, and he ends up killing, you know, the blonde thief and taking the, uh, which is also mentioned, the blonde guy was a rapist, and uh, you know, Lupin the Third ends up taking the microfilm and the story ends with him being arrested by uh, Akechi from the pilot film. Right. And so, yeah. and so the chapter after that. Is about Lupin III in prison, just like the second Arsene Lupin story is about him escaping from prison as well. Huh. So interesting. Right. So I feel, you know, like those early manga chapters are very much, you know, what if, like they're just Ars, you know, classic Arsene Lupin style stories, but, you know, sexier and cartoonier, you know, very much inspired by Mad, and you know, set in the '60s instead of the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. So, I just thought like the parallels pretty neat there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there will be many more parallels to come um, as as the series progresses. I mean, even in part one. Yes. Because we meet Ganimard's uh, uh, descendant. No, that's in part two. No, part one. All right. Yes, it's in part one, and then we meet another one in part two. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, Ganimard had two grandchildren. <laughs> well, he could have more than one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> but you know, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll break from that prison when we get to it. So overall, this episode, I think we can all say it's good. It's good. It's great. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Sorry, what... I'm happy that Jay and I had the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was to say, like, this episode is where the good stuff starts. Yep. Indeed. This episode is strange, but I'm not gonna lie if I said I didn't. If I said I didn't enjoy it, you know, I'm. I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it's just. Like I, I was, I was considering reviews of part one that mentioned, like for this episode, like just start here. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah, you know, like like the Pike episode was good, but this is, a, this is actually a better introduction to the whole cast. 
Aside from going on who we meet. Uh, who we meet next episode. <laughs> so I, I just want to say, you know, start here because, you know, if, like you get like a good uh, examination of like, uh, you know, Lupin's uh, relationship to, uh, you know, not only like Gene and Zinigai, but even Fujiko to an extent as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also a great showcase of, you know, Lupin's cunning and his ego. Um, Which I feel gets a little bit diluted. Um well, his ego, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he is not egotistical. Lupin has this mentality, and it and I and I actually enjoy it. I enjoy that from part two until now, his um, his attitude is more cocky, more confident, and more like. But it, but it's not as harsh as it is in part one. I'm I'm sorry if I'm going so many different directions, but like in part one, he is so egotistical to the point where he even mentions it at the end of this episode that his whole purpose of doing this escape was not just so he could escape. He could have done it easily, you know, months prior, but he wanted to humiliate Zenigata. That's a little petty. Mm-hmm. I don't think oh, I don't I, think absolutely. really seen Lupin that petty. I've kind of seen him as kind of a vengeful spirit, if you catch my drift. No, he he hates being taken advantage of, and he takes, and he hates being humiliated. So he always dishes out what people dish onto him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've seen that not just in this series, but in part two, and in all of it. You know, yeah, he is petty. That's just who he is. But like I said, I I I either I need to rewatch some more, but um, I feel like even that pettiness isn't as grand or um oh yeah no this takes the kick on probably most of what he's done <laughs> yes um, like I, he, I feel like i feel like it's like toned down quite a bit in say part two. Oh yes. yeah he still dishes out like things left and right but not quite to the extent that he did in this where he like wasted basically a whole year of his life mm-hmm. yeah. it's like i've i've wasted a whole you have no idea what i've been doing for the past year i've been in prison i could have gotten out <laughs> months ago but right said i got it deserved it you have right. no idea so anybody else wonder what year this was well sometimes it had to be somehow in the early 70s if we're going well, by yeah. the, the timeline of when this series came right. out well i'm going to assume that lupin got arrested in 1970 because, you know, because it would be 71 when he was released. Because in the uh, time travel episode of part one, it's explicitly referred to as being 1972. Mm. <laughs> oh. So I'm guessing that... Maybe know, this came out in the wrong order here. Well, I mean, not, not saying that. It's just, you know, maybe like, you know, the first three episodes took place in 1970. And then with Lupin being stuck in prison for an entire year, now he's caught up with the viewing audience. Right. Continuity? What continuity? And then, of course, and of course uh, you know, the, uh, the manga chapter came out in 1967. Right. So I, I do often wonder, you know, what, if Lupin ended up missing out on 1967 completely, which, like, as a Beatles fan, I'm like, oh, man, that, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some of the best stuff came out in 67. Well, if he was in prison in 1967, he sure missed out on a lot. He missed out on the first man on the moon. He missed out on Woodstock. Um, uh, the, the, summer, the summer of love? Oh, man. The he starting been, summer of love. I was going to say, he would have been pissed enough to miss out on the summer of love. Yeah. That was episode four. Anybody else got any, you know, um, thoughts? I, I know for sure. I, I, I kind of want to get a manicure now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not very self-conscious about my nails. <laughs> need to 
you keep them in check before I am uh, have the capacity to <laughs> to shave your face with them, <laughs> or to threaten someone. Nailed it. Hey. Hey. And with that, <laughs> we end the podcast. Thank you.